he's a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth, the world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. Welcome, welcome. You're now listening to the Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. Five Star Friday with my man, Greg Biggins. GB, what up? What up, Keith? How you doing, my man? Good, 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 good. How are you doing? Doing all right, man. Five Star Friday. We got a five star coach joining us. Excited about this interview we're dropping today. Our guy Chad Johnson, new head coach, Mission Viejo, formerly of the office coordinator at St. John Bosco. A lot of good stuff here, GB. I think people are going to like this interview because Chad does not hold back. That's the beauty of Chad. He doesn't give two craps about what people think. Actually, he does care. But uh, no, man, comparing DJ and Josh Rosen, comparing modern day team from this past year, the best ever, to the best Bosco team he was with. Obviously, all the good uh, Mission Viejo uh, scuttlebutt he gave us who to watch for and whatnot so it was a nice little trip down memory lane with Chad Johnson yeah also addressing the Real Mitchell controversy which yeah, is he all- addressed it yeah he, he did absolutely it absolutely addressed directly. it directly right? directly no punches pulled and and uh, obviously he didn't he didn't need to but he kind of said it had nothing to do with DJ I always call DJ the most humble superstar I've ever been around. But he said, hey, this wasn't about DJ. And kind of said, you know, he kind of started to see signs following the Elite 11. And I, I kind of saw that too. So, but uh, no, Chad was awesome. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch him at Mission Viejo. Yeah, no doubt about that. Before we get to this Chad Johnson interview, we got to remind people about our Sleeper of the Week. Hey, we want to remind everybody, tune in every Wednesday for our Sleeper of the Week segment. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. All right, and we're back. So let's get into it. New head coach, Mission Viejo High School, Chad Johnson. Chad, how you doing? Doing well, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing great, man. I got my man Greg Biggins here, and we appreciate you for coming on the show. A lot to get to, a lot to talk about. But before we do that, uh, I have to remind you, when you answer questions on this show, always give us the transparent truth. You got it. That's all Chad knows how to do is give transparent truth. Chad, how are you, man? Good to talk to you. Doing, doing great, man. How are you? Good, good. We kind of joked with you off off air that, dude, you got a, a young Rollo voice. It's, it's got that rasp from lots of yelling and screaming. It's a beautiful thing, man. I love I love talking to you just because of the voice. <laughs> it's a combination of being the head strength coach and also the offensive coordinator. I never, I never get a break. I don't know if people even know that about you, Chad. So, but, you know, obviously you want to talk about Mission Viejo and the, and the squad and what you got. And, you know, what a beautiful first job, head coaching job for you to walk into. 
you know, a lot of guys' first job is, you know, Ocean View High School or something, but you just jumped right into a, a state powerhouse. So, obviously, you want to talk Diablo football, but we want to go back. We want to go old school. Uh, and, again, you were a long-time, long-time guy, Chibico Hills, assistant coach with Jason Negro and St. John Bosco. Was it like with 15, 16 years, you and Jason were together, Chad? What, what was that like? How was uh, how that tag team kind of come about in the first place? Well, it was awesome. Uh, you know, Jason's obviously one of my best friends, and he's a great guy and done a lot together. So um, what happened was in 2001, uh, I came back from my last playing days in college, and, and he came over from actually Bosco. He was actually a D coordinator at Bosco at the time. And 2001, he took a job at Tribuco um, as the linebacker coach. And in 2001, I took a job at Tribuco uh, as the O-line coach. And then we worked together. Uh, as assistants under a guy named Bill Crow, legendary coach who, coincidentally enough, was the head coach at Mission Viejo back in the day when Bob Johnson was the head coach at El Toro, and they had epic battles, and that was kind of like in the Marinovich days when Reggie's at Capo, those three schools down here would just go at it. Um, and then, uh, and anyway, so so uh, two years later, uh, Bill Crow retired, and then Jason applied, got the head job, and, and uh, I worked for him, you know, for a number of years at Tribuco. We spent nine there together, and then uh, we went to Bosco in 2010, and, and we spent eight seasons there at St. John Bosco together. So, you know, Chad, before you guys came to Bosco, I don't think people realize this this day and age. Bosco was, uh, you know, when we see a, a football player who's, just, you know, he's just pretty good, not great. We say he's kind of a jag, just a guy. Bosco as a program was kind of a jag. It was kind of just a program, and you guys took it to, you know, national heights. You know, Jason told me a story about, you know, when you guys decided to leave, he kind of rented a little restaurant upstairs, and he had you and, and a few other assistants to kind of plan this whole deal out. But at that time. How much upside did you think Bosco had? And, and did you guys realize at the time that you could take Bosco to, you know, a, a national program, dominate the Trinity League, break records with five straight CF finals, and Bosco had, hadn't really done a whole lot in, in years prior before you guys got there? Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of a, a crazy thing now looking back to what, you know, all that we accomplished. And, I mean, shoot, even now with the new stadium getting built and all that. So, you know, we... The biggest thing was is is, is we wanted the challenge, um, and you know we had done what we felt as, as good as we could have done at Tribuco and, uh, and and all of that. And and when when he got the call uh, over Christmas break after we had lost the Lahabra in the CF Championship game at Tribuco, you know he called me and he's like, "What do you think?" And I didn't hesitate. I'm like, "Let's do it." You know, I, I want I want to do this. As, I want to see if we can do this at the highest level. You know, I want to play the modern days of the world and, and all of that. Um, and and we kind of jumped in. And you know, even it was funny because a lot of people are like, "Dude, you're leaving tenure. You're leaving. You know, pension. Like, what are you guys doing?" And him and I are both like, "We don't care. Like, we, we want to take a shot at this. We're both young. Um, you know, we feel like." You know our our brand and and what we what we present offensively, defensively, program wide, culture and the whole night. I feel like it was special and and we want to try to do it at the highest level. And and I mean we were fortunate enough that the, the cupboard was not bare when we got there and we, we walked on campus at Bryce Treggs, um, you know, and and a couple other really really good players. Um, actually, more than a couple of really good players. So the cupboard was not bare at all. And and I think those guys just really embraced. Um, kind of a new brand of football, a new style, something that maybe fit 
um, you know, the area better, I guess you could say, with a lot, all the skilled players, you know. They were kind of a pro-style, split-back, West Coast offense. And, you know, we came in, spread things out, went tempo, and passed the ball over the place. And really, remember back then, we were the only team in the training league doing it. Now everyone copied us. I mean, when I was – we first got – when we first got there, modern day was pro style. I mean, two backs, power football, running the ball. Um, you know, Stanford, very, very Stanford. Um, you know, very, very Stanford esque. And then, uh, and then, uh, shoot, Orange Luther was triple option football. You know, they, they were running like the, the Navy stuff. Um, and then, you know, Servite was pistol, you know, from the Nevada. Troy Thomas was all pistol, two tight ends, 12 personnel, you know, run it down, horn sweep, split zone. Um, Jay Sarah was, I mean, the first year he played them, they're like wing T. You know, they're, they're um, kind of pro style wing T, uh, under center. Um, and then Santa Margarita, uh, under Jaycott was was there, you know, first, and, and I think they were more pro style then. And then I guess Harry came in; he was a little more like us, but still under center, not no huddle, um, you know, kind of an interesting offense. You know, four wide center with the back offset, like at two yards. So it really wasn't like a bunch of RPOs and and doing all of that. But it was very effective. And, and, and I guess I guess Harry and, and Coach Welch and, and us were the only teams that were actually in four wides, um, you know. And now. The whole entire training league is is that way, you know. I mean, modern day, you know, copycat league. Everyone copies what works, so everyone copied us. I guess that's kind of a, a flattering thing, I guess. But yeah, it was, it's crazy to see where it's gone. You know, it's especially crazy. I'm I'm an old school guy, and you know, I live in Orange County, Huntington Beach. So I've I've saw modern day. I saw modern day horrible grammar. I've seen modern day. You know, from when I started watching them in the in the '80s, and they were ground and pound, smash mouth. Right. Always had a good pro style system. Had that play action game. And obviously, Dave Money does a great job, but just watching them now, like people in the old school days wouldn't even believe how they used to be. Um, but it's funny, uh, you know, Chad, you, you brought up Bryce Treggs. I remember the first time um, I kind of started to think, okay, Bosco might have a chance. I was at a seven on seven term in Las Vegas when Brian Treggs, Bryce's dad, was coaching a little Bosco team. Um, yep. And he introduced me to a, a quarterback who was in the eighth grade, didn't get ready to be a freshman. <laughs> named Josh Rosen. And and Brian yeah. was that guy who he, he always loved to kind of build up the guys, right? That, that yep. was his deal. He didn't, he didn't oversell them, but he kind of pushed them a little bit more probably than, than they you know, needed to be pushed. He goes, dude, we have a quarterback right here. He's an eighth grader. He's going to go to Boswell next year. He'll be the best quarterback we've ever had. He's going to be a national guy. He's an NFL guy. I'm like, Brian, whatever. I just kind of blew him off. Didn't even think twice <laughs> about it. What was your first impression? I know, you know, Josh, Honestly, not to say in this dude, Chad, he has more respect for you than I think anybody else. And I just saw Josh not too long ago, and he still talks about you and how you're the best coach he's had. And, you know, he really liked Jed Fish last year. But he's like, you know, Chad Johnson will always be my guy. What was your relationship like with, with Josh? And when did you kind of know he was a pretty special talent? You know, honestly, the same. I mean, Brian and I both saw it, um, and, and we both, I remember uh, one one thing in particular. So we were watching his highlight tape in the office one time, and Brett Brennan, who's the head coach at Assembly State now, was actually receiver coach at Oregon State at the time, and he was recruiting Bryce heavily. And he's in there, and we're on the board, you know, working and doing some chalk talks. I'm like, hey, Brett, i got to show you this guy, this, this eighth grader. He's a quarterback. I think he's going to be special. So he, I, I pop on the film and, and we're watching on my little laptop and 
Josh is playing quarterback and he's playing defensive end and uh, and you're know, running around and, and just you know being a man among boys as, as you should if you're that good and and Brennan's like you really think he's that guy? yeah I'm telling you this guy's gonna be the number one recruit he's gonna be you know NFL guy blah 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 and you know at that time I really didn't have anything behind me I didn't have like you know seven quarterbacks that have been to the NFL that I've worked with before that you know I had a good perspective so you know, he was kind of laughing at me and, and I was like, whatever, dude. And then, you know, obviously four years later, he was at, um, he had like just gotten, no, I think he was still Oregon State. I think he was still in Oregon State and, and he and he was laughing. He said, dude, I remember when you showed me that highlight tape. It's crazy that uh, that now he's, he's where he's at and, and you were right. So, no, he was, Josh was really, really good. Um, you know, we have a special relationship. You know, he's like a son to me and, and, I, and I kind of, I'm that close with, with most of the quarterbacks that, um, that I coaches who we spend so much time together because of all of the, you know, the mental development. Um, I think that's probably where what we do is different than a lot of other people. I mean, you got quarterback guys out there that can teach you how to throw the ball, teach you proper mechanics, but a lot of guys just don't know football the way that, that I feel like, you know, we did at Bosco and the depths that we went into and, 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 and I think that's, you know, been reflective on our touchdown to interception ratio for the most part and how well our quarterbacks have done to the next level and so on and so forth. But, yeah, I know Josh is a, a great, great kid, and, and uh, you know, obviously I'm so happy for him and excited. So, I, I mean, probably one of the most polar – I've been doing this 20-plus years. Josh is probably one of the two or three most polarizing kids where it seemed like you either love him or you hate him. I mean, there's literally people rooting for him to fail, I think, and some people who, who absolutely love him – and your experience with experiences with him, Chad, uh, was he coachable? What about the talk about here? How he asked too many questions? He's too smart for his own good. What kind of teammate is he? Um, how did you respond to all those kind of criticism that Josh got over the last couple of years? Well, it's funny because um, it's funny you asked those. Those are the same questions I got from uh, numerous NFL teams. Um, I got a you know phone calls from let me shoot the entire I think all the way down to like pick number fifteen they called me and and because uh, keeping track of it and they'd ask the same exact question they would ask you know you know what, what you know what's going on what kind of kid is he blah 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 and I was like well I go you know my my thing is is you know if if I'm a coach and and we're putting in you know our third down package you ready for a game and my quarterback has a question. And I can't explain the why behind what we're doing, then maybe I shouldn't call it, you know. And 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 that was always, you know, my thing is is I just always wanted to make sure my quarterbacks did know the reason and the why behind it. So you know, him and I, um, you know, would would go on the board, and, and and I would I would enjoy explaining the why behind everything we do, and this is why we're doing it. Um, if they do this, we do this. Here's how the coverage, here's how the defensive guys are taught. This is what their reads are, you know, and, and this is how it's going to work and how we're going to attack them and, and all of those things. But, um, no, I mean, uh, as far as, like, you know, other things he's done, obviously, you know, I, I can't condone um, the uh, – I cannot condone, you know, what he did on, with with the hot tub, or condone the the Trump deal, you know. Um, but other than that, I mean, as far as a teammate goes, I mean, he's. I'm sure you guys read the story that uh, Adam Gorney did about how he went out and helped kids fundraise for the trip to Hawaii um, and made those, you know, those gold cards or whatever they call them, and you know, basically on the backside, it's like 20 percent off of you know Subway or whatever, and and help the kids sell those cards and make money to go to Hawaii and. 
Um, you know, no, I, I think I think you know um, he's got uh, you know a lot of a lot of, of things that, that go on that unfortunately he's got a bad rap for, but I, I don't feel that it's necessarily deserving. So let's talk ball for a second. And, and again, you've had some great Bosco teams. I promise we'll get to Mission Viejo. I, I'm, I'm not sure if you're. Come on, man. I'm, I'm, I'm over Bosco now, but I got to ask the <laughs> question. You've had you had some phenomenal teams, and obviously the the Rosen sophomore team. People remember that as the fog ball, right? You guys lost Long Beach yep. and It's funny we talked to Jason Nager last year, and he still remembers the exact play and the and the, the touchdown. It wasn't really a touchdown. I think Juju caught, but. Yeah, the junior the junior team that you guys had, I I would say it's, it's probably a historical team. You know, I think Keith and I debated last year so who the best teams to ever play in, in Southern California over the last twenty years. And the two thousand and thirteen Bosco team that had you know a junior Josh with a sophomore McGrew, and you had yeah. you know Jaleel and Nigel. How good was that team? And was that maybe the best team that you've ever been a part of? Yeah, I mean that that team was was obviously extremely special. Um, I thought the year after it in 2015 was an extremely special team as well. I, you know, that was the year we were 13 and 0 going into the championship game when Quentin broke his collarbone in the first quarter. Um, now we didn't play, you know, defensively we weren't, we weren't the same. I think that's probably what separates that team from all the others. Is you know we've had you know really good offenses, but that defense that we had that year with you know Jacob Fioti Mariner and Malik Dorton at end. And then two kids inside that um, are were really really high school players, Ivan Martinez and Emery Sefo. Um, and then you had Chandler New at linebacker, and the secondary was was unbelievable. Uh, you know, with uh, with these Brett Ball went with the Air Force, Julio went to uh, UCLA, Chandler Hawkins went to San Diego State, and Nigel went to Washington. You know, so it was it was quite incredible. And then and the nickel we had in our four two five, Christian Holland is, is still playing at Idaho State. You know, so that that was probably the biggest difference is that defense was just just unbelievable. Um, and then you know, Julio is probably you know one of the best defensive players I've ever been around. I mean, he's he was unreal. And, and offensively, you know, we were solid. Our, our old line uh, was really good that year. Uh, but yeah, I remember like Sean Berger was a sophomore. Um, you know, he so he was young. Uh, and then Shea Fields was our only really big time receiver because. Jaleel was half slot receiver, half safety. So there were times where he was tired and, you know, we had to pull him out and rest him. And the other guys on the outside, you know, Jared Harrell was the starter and he was only a sophomore that year. So like offensively, we were, we were really good because of Josh and Shea and then Jaleel, but we weren't, I, I, I would not say that's the best offense that I've ever coached. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't say that. I think I think the best offense that I've ever coached was Quentin Davis's senior year in 2015. We scored 59 points a game, um, and uh, and that was when Sean was a senior. You know, Quentin was a senior. O line was super solid, and we had five receivers that were just I mean, unbelievable. So, you know, nice little segue because you mentioned Quentin got hurt, and then a kid by the name of Real Mitchell jumped into the yep. game. The next year, you guys win a state title. Uh, just for the fun of it, you know, how, how good was the? I want to say the two thousand. Would it be the two thousand sixteen team? I want to state title that was with Real. Um, right. How good was was that team, top to bottom? And you kind of compare it to you know the the, the, the Rose and Quentin Davis teams. Shoot, I mean that team. That team was really good, but it was for like they were. It was different, you know. Um, you know, and once we kind of figured out who we were. 
um, we really got going. And that, and that was more that, okay, we were going to run the ball. You know, we, we were going to run the football, you know, 50, 60 times a game. Um, and, and we were only going to throw it, you know, 20 to 30 times a game, which usually that was the opposite. Um, you know, but once we figured that out and, and, and uh, kind of realized who we were and that we were different than we did in years past, um, you know, it was, it was great because we, we were still very good defensively. Our defense had to send less snaps. Um, and, and that team was, was super physical. And, and look, I mean, here's the bottom line. Like, if you want to win, I guarantee you, if, if you guys took and looked the last 15 years that I've been doing this, and, and you said, okay, who has won the Division One championship, you know, the top division? Now it's called the Open, back in the day, Division One, whatever. If you looked at every team that won, in my opinion, you would find the team that had the best line on both sides of the ball. Like if you looked back at the Troy Thomas teams that won at Servite with uh, you know, the Nicholas kid and Troy Nicholas and some of those guys they had. You look back at the year Harry Welch won, they had Max Turk and those guys. You look at the year the two years we won. We had Damian Mama and Wyatt Davis. You know what I mean? So Damian Mama in two thousand and thirteen, Wyatt Davis in two thousand and sixteen. Um, you know, you look at last year, you know, modern day, clearly the best line on both sides of the ball. I mean JT had a half an hour to throw the ball, and DJ had one second coming to play the slant. So, to me, like it's it's really you know who can develop the best line play and, and the best line wins. All the skill guys, I think, at at that level, late in the season, everyone's got good skill players, and they kind of cancel it out a little bit. Uh, to me, it's, it's it's line play. You know, whoever has the best line generally wins. So, if, you know, if you ask me, hey, predict this year's championship, who's going to win? I mean, I, I I would pick Bosco right now because of their line. You know, more than anything else, you know, they get all those guys back. Their entire D line's returning, a lot of their offensive lines returning, you know, that, you know, and then, and then modern day lost them all. You know, and then, you know, I don't know who else, whatever else has, but I'd I pick the team with the best line every year. No, that's a great point. And, and I remember you guys lost them all. This is going back two years ago to the state title team. You guys lost them all earlier in the year. And then in the playoffs, man, you guys got a roll. And like you mentioned, just a smash melt football, beat up on Centennial. And the modern day game, ha- how good did that one feel? Just because, I mean, there's always been a little bit of Mario Bosco rivalry. It's gotten more heated over the last three or four years. But, I mean, you guys ran, I want to say, and then even Data Sal, did you guys go for like over 500 yards rushing against Mario Day? And then I think you moved Wyatt Davis inside to guard, right? Kind of a key yep. little strategic maneuver. I'm going to assume that was you who made that decision <laughs> to go ahead and move Wyatt. And I'm giving you the credit for that. I don't know if it's right or wrong. I'm giving you the credit as the OC. No, you're right. <laughs> But, man, so how fun was that game? Just You didn't just beat them, but you kind of just physically demoralized them by about the third quarter. Right. You know, and, and that's and that's one thing we wanted to do in that game. You know, we, we felt, we you know, we've been in situations before where, where teams have kept us on the sideline offensively and, you know, iced us, whatever you want to say, because they've tried to run the football and, you know, shorten the game. So we were like, hey, two things. We want to make modern day run the football because we didn't feel like they could. I mean, we didn't feel like JT wanted to and, you know, would would have made, you know, Mr. Daniels not very happy if JT had the ball 60 times a game. So we're like, okay, well, they, these guys don't want to run the ball. You know, they want to throw the ball every single play. So what we're going to do is we're going to force them to run, you know, drop eight, play a 3-2 box, um, and see if they can do it. And then and then offensively, you know, we're going to, we're going to run the football, control the clock, be super physical, limit their snaps. And then it's cold in December, it's raining. So we're going to try to keep all those guys, all those track guys, speedsters on the sidelines, you know, sitting there getting iced out. You know, and, and that was the, the whole entire game plan. And we did it against Centennial, too, because of, of what they do. You know, we wanted to keep them, play, keep away from them. The Dale Sal game, 
that was just different. Um, that wasn't, you know, obviously they're a ground and pound team too. So that was more of just, you know, we want to just be efficient and, and move the football and make sure we didn't give them a short field. Um, and and it, it was raining and, and cold as heck up there. So obviously, you know, it wasn't the most ideal conditions to throw, you know, to throw the ball 60 times. But we, we still were effective in the air and, 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 you know, ran a little RPO stuff that we do. And, and but I mean, you know, we, we wanted to take advantage of the pass game a little bit. That was kind of some some of their weaknesses in Dale Sauer or some of their their uh, backer play underneath. They put up, you know, you put guys in bad spots and stuff. But anyway, but no, I mean, definitely get back to your original question. Modern day is it, it was great to. And I'll tell you, the other thing, Greg, that we fixed is our special teams. You know, that killed us uh, in the league play when uh, Amon Ra uh, ran back that punt. Um, that was that was a big. He did it twice. He ran it back this year too in the league game. So. That, you know, those special teams, the modern day special teams are really, really good. And we had to fix that. And we did a better job of special teams in the finals and, and eliminated that from a game changing play. Uh, and, and yeah, and, and then we definitely ran the balls, you know, physically as we could. So, Chad, this year's, or this year, this past year's team, uh, you, you guys got a lot of guys coming back. Um, your secondary's back would be Blaylock. You have your quarterback back. You have a lot of your linemen. But it, it seemed like it, there was something just that wasn't clicking. You know, going through week one, you guys go yeah. to Florida. Obviously, we had the Washington, D.C. game, and D.J. goes in. And, you know, in, in hindsight now, I'm kind of looking back. And I don't want to put you in a position to, you know, to have to throw anybody under the bus. But how, how tough was it last year kind of dealing with, obviously, the elephant in the room, the, the quarterback situation? When does Real sit? How much does D.J. play? You knew. I'd love to get your, your take on D.J. because, obviously, you knew that this is a special, special talent. Probably, you know, I'd love to get your take, but he, he looks like an NFL top ten pick as well, like Josh was. You gotta no get him some. You gotta get him some snaps, right? But how do you do that when you have a, a state champion quarterback returning? How tough was that to balance those two, kind of going into the season, then during the season, and you just deal with some of the off the field headaches? What was the whole year like for you? Well, I mean, it, it, you know, it wasn't easy, but it, but it wasn't anything that DJ did. I mean, um, you know, his dad from the very beginning, because of course, you know, in transfer palooza that we deal with now, uh, you know, everyone was saying, oh, you know, DJ should, he could start at all these other schools. He should transfer. Why is he waiting behind Real? It's stupid. He needs to play the sophomore. And to DJ's dad and, and DJ's credit, they're like, nope, we're waiting. You know, we, we came here to get coached, you know, by these guys, and, and we're going to wait our turn. And, you know, it's Real's team, the state championship returning quarterback, and he was awesome. That that that, that was never it. Um, obviously, you know, having Coach Josh, I could see the talent that DJ had. And, and I, you know, a lot of people asking this question, and like, okay, if you had to compare DJ and Josh and both as sophomores, who do you think is better? I said it's really, really close, but I would give the edge to DJ um, at this point. Um, you know, I think DJ is slightly better than Josh Rosen right now in his career. Now, having said that, the body of work that Josh Rosen put in between his sophomore and junior year and junior and senior year was incredible. Um, you know, unparalleled. I've never seen him work so hard. But you know, and I, I'm hoping DJ does the same thing because you know that's what that's the way he was brought up, and, I, and he's a phenomenal kid. But going back to that. I mean, it, it was more of 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 what happened with with Real and what and what kind of he decided to go and do more than anything. I mean, we we had no intention of you know benching Real for DJ. Like everyone has these conspiracy theories that like we 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 had this thing all planned out, and it was none of that. Like Real was our guy, 
DJ was one of the best backups in the country, and and we were ready to roll. You know, just like Real was the backup for Quentin. You know, we were hey, same situation. You know, let's go. Um, and then like things kind of just got weird with Delete uh, Eleven when when he did not make the finals. I mean, he, he was there. He did really well. I was watched every single rep he took. Um, in my opinion, obviously it's a slighted opinion, but. I thought he did really well and, and, and should have gotten, you know, made the opening finals in, in Oregon, but he didn't. Um, and then he kind of came back with this, you know, chip. And I asked him, I said, you know, what, what's, what happened? What did they tell you? And he said, oh, they said I was too short. So he comes back from that with these wristbands that he got made somewhere with the words too short on them. And I was like, what the heck? So anyway, but kind of basically what happened was, Real stopped being Real. You know, he, he kind of was like had this giant chip on his shoulder that I'm going to prove to everyone that I can, I'm a pocket quarterback. I can sit in here and then, you know, and everyone tells me, you know, I just run around and make plays and that's why I'm not a real quarterback. I'm a, you know, whatever quarterback. And I'm going to sit in here, I'm going to sit in the pocket and I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw it around like I'm, you know, Montana. And, and that's just not him. And so, you know, and that's not the way our offense was designed you know, with, with him at the helm. So uh, it, it just it just conflicted, you know, what, what he felt that he wanted to do and what he needed to do to prove all the naysayers wrong and what we felt we needed to do to be successful as an offense and a team, you know, building off of what we did last year. We're just in conflict, and I think that's kind of where the the biggest problem uh, of it all happened, to be honest with you. Um, and, and, you know, having said that, I think Rao's a phenomenal kid. I, I don't have anything. He never once, you know, mispractice, uh, big time meet, nothing. I mean, never, he's a great kid. It just, you know, we, we could not, we could not get him to do, a, you know, a, what we wanted him to do and, and building off of last year, he had just a different vision of what he wanted his senior year to be um, and, and how he wanted to play the position that just didn't, didn't line up. Um, and I don't know where this all, you know, came from. I think I kind of have a feeling it came from the Lee 11 snub. Um, in, in that situation, but you know, the bottom line was is is you know I, I, it was funny. People don't even realize this, but you know, he when we made the decision to change him, he had thrown more interception passes than touchdowns. You know, and and that was something that we had never had. I mean, if you look back at all of our touchdown to interception ratios for the last eight years since I've been at the helm, I mean, it's it's crazy. The way I mean, you're talking like forty touchdowns to five interceptions. I mean, it's it's a crazy ratio. And, and to have a guy that's thrown seven picks to six touchdowns um, is was was alarming for all of us, and and we were just kind of like we were just kind of like you know this is not it's not what we want you know we're, we're trying to ask you to do certain things and and you know he just had a different vision of what he wanted to do so you know we had no other choice you know to sit there okay well we got to give someone else a chance you know sorry you know we got to give someone else a chance so anyway. You know, that's fascinating stuff, Chad. I appreciate you being so frank and open. And it, honestly, I, I saw it. I, mean, I, I was there for Elite 11. I was there watching every game. And like you mentioned, the interceptions, I feel like half of those, he could, he could take it off and run for, for plus yards. But yeah. instead, like you mentioned, he kind of wanted to show he was this pocket passer. And I, I felt like, and I said this publicly, you guys didn't win a state title the year before with Real being Aaron Rodgers, throwing the ball over the place. You guys won it because you guys physically pounded people up front and you guys rushed for 400 yards. It wasn't because he threw for 500 yards. And so I think somehow he got into his head that they won it because of him throwing the football. And it kind of coincided a little bit with what you're saying. Saying all that, you know, last year's, this is my last possible question for you, Chad, but saying all that, you know, last year's modern day team, again, debatable, but 
been doing this for 20 plus years. Maybe one of the best, if not the best team I've seen in Puma, California. Talk about the balance, talk about JT, his ability to, to move in the pocket. Now, as a running game last year, the defense was so much better. The front seven, they couldn't be bullied around. Take off any kind of Bosco rose colored glasses. You've been in Orange County for your whole life as well. How right. did you rank modern day historically? W- would you say that might have been the best team that you've ever seen? Or did you feel like some of your Bosco teams on your best day could have still beaten last year's modern day team? Well, okay. So so the, the one thing that I think is is the difference maker is, uh, is modern day secondary. I didn't think modern day secondary last year was anywhere as good as they've had in the previous years. The problem was it was really hard to attack it because of the front. <laughs> you know what I mean? They got to you so fast. It was difficult. Um, you know, they had a lot of sophomores. I think, I think the world of Ricks, I think, I think Ricks is unbelievable. Um, in fact, his, his development from the first time he played him in the league to see a championship game, uh, was incredible. I mean, we, we were turning around going, I don't know if I've ever seen a kid get this, this, uh, improve this much in the middle of the season than Ricks did from, from you know, the middle of the league whenever he played him until the CF Championship game, which is only like, you know, five, six games later, whatever it was. Um, you know, he, he's, he's a superstar. I, I really liked him and, and thought he was, you know, done a great job improving. But I just felt like, you know, secondary was still was still an area that we could attack. Um, I felt like they had, you know, two out of three of their defensive linemen were really good. Um, you know, I thought Mace Luna was phenomenal and Nate Logaleo was phenomenal. Um, I thought the rest of the backers were just they were just good, solid players, not not amazing. Um, and that includes Solo. I, I, I didn't think I didn't think Solo was was all that. Um, and he had he was hurt the second time we played him, but I still you know we didn't we didn't do anything special or game plan for him at all. Um, nose guard was solid. Um, the kid from Riverside King. Um, he was a solid player, did a great job for him. Um, and their secondary, we felt like, you know, we, we, you know, when they would, when they got out of their drop eight and changed into their, some of their man stuff, their nickel and their dime stuff and played a lot of cover one, you know, we felt like that's an area we could go after them. The problem was, was we were so poor up front with our pass protection, you know, DJ, poor kid couldn't even, you know, get off a slant without getting hit. Um, and uh, anyway, and, and, that, and that's, that's when it, you know killed us. Um, and then we didn't play super, you know very well defensively at all um, in that finals game. It just I don't know they just they could run the ball. That's the biggest difference, you know. And I think I think offensively to answer your question, I think offensively that might be the best offense I've ever been around. I think that's the best offense I've ever been around. You know that that offense is incredible. Um, you know, with JT at the helm, with those receivers, you know, the running backs, super solid. You know, both of them I thought were good players. Um, you know, tight end, solid. I, and, and, you know, I, I thought Coach Money did a phenomenal job with that offense. And, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's probably the best offense I've ever seen, no doubt. Um, you know, team-wise, probably pretty darn close. You know, I would like to go 2013 Bosco versus 2016 or 17 modern day, no doubt. Um you know, and, and you could go back and forth. Okay, well, you get you know probably give the Bosco secondary the edge. You definitely give the modern day receivers the edge. Let's say the quarterbacks a wash. The running back, I mean, probably modern day because Sean was only a sophomore. Um, the tight end would certainly go to, to modern day because we had uh, a solid kid, but he's nowhere near you know the offers that the Martinez kid had for modern day. O lines pretty close to a wash. You know, we had Katnick and Mama. They had Tommy Brown and sure. and you know all the guys that they had. Um, linebacking crew, you know, probably a wash with Channel Lanu and, and Mace Funa, you know, almost like the same guy, <laughs> funny enough. Um, and then secondary, I think you'd probably give us a nod with, 
you know, Nigel Hawkins and Wadud and Baldwin versus the young modern day technology. I'm not saying that down the road when they're seniors, they won't be that. I'm just talking about when they're sophomores, they weren't. Yeah, that, that makes sense at all. So, totally. Um, you know, so, so anyway, that, that, I mean, shoot, it's, it's a, you could have a, a long discussion over that one for sure. And we have, I think Keith and I did a whole show last year, kind of going position by position and who we like better. So, Chad, so this offseason, you leave. You leave Bosco. You guys, you mentioned, you know, right now you give Bosco the, the number one spot. So it's a loaded team. How hard was it to leave? And then, uh, and again, talk about Mission Viejo, the, the whole process, the interview process, getting that job, and, and how stoked are you to be at Diablo right now? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm super, super excited. Um, and and the biggest thing is, um, you know, is, is it was hard. It, it, was, it was definitely difficult. Um, you know, however, you know, this is kind of the job that I had been looking at for a long time. And since I, you know, I grew up here, went to Toro High School, Coach Tribuco, and, and, and Mission Viejo was, was the job that I always wanted. And when I heard kind of oh, about three quarters of the way through the season that, um, you know, Coach Johnson had, had decided to retire, you know, I definitely you know, had my eye on it. And, and, uh, and when the season was over, definitely <laughs> went after it with every, every, uh, bullet that I had in the gun there. And, and, and luckily enough got the job and very fortunate and excited to be here and see what we can do here. Um, you know, now obviously those kids at Bosco, um, a special connection to and bond with, and I love all those guys, you know, I'm not going to lie to you that when, you know, I see the video posted, you know, the, of, of their, their showcase that they just had, you know, I'm like, dang, like I miss some of those kids are great. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? You know, but, um, you know, not just, not just cause they're talented, but I mean, I mean, you know, Greg, you've been around George Holland. He's freaking amazing yeah, kid. Yeah. Like yeah. DJ is an amazing kid. Jake Bailey, you know, might be the you know best kid to hang out with ever, you know? And, and I drove those kids to school every day and, and you know, that they just, it just, you know, so it's, that's the hardest part, right? Saying goodbye. You know, when you're that tight, and, and I mean, and that, that includes not even just leaving and going to, to mission. I'm talking about one of those guys. Like, I hated banquets. You know, and the reason I hated banquets is not because it's, it's a long night, it's because you got to say goodbye to some kids that you really, really, really are close with and, and love. And, and it just sucks, you know, because you're not, you know, that banquet kind of signifies like you're not going to be around them as much, you know, and, and that's hard, you know, on a coach, you know, it's not easy, you know. So, anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously we're developing those same relationships here with the kids here and, and I'm super excited to be back kind of my hometown and, and all of those things. But, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't easy, you know, it was definitely, definitely one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. So, so you mentioned it kind of earlier in the, in, in the uh, interview, you know, transfer Palooza, one of the guys who lost at Bosco was Joey Yellen, who ironically is now your, your guy. And I know I talked to Joey the day you got offered or not offered the day you were hired. And he was so stoked to have you back just because he feels, you know, that, great coach and and uh and great uh, mentor that you worked to him back in the day but he loves the offense you're, you're bringing in and installing how has joey looked so far and what you remember joey two years ago to, to now you see him again obviously unfortunately he didn't have two years of, of chad johnson developing him but he still had you know bob and, and rob developing so a couple of guys who are pretty decent with quarterbacks how is joey looking so far and uh, and what do you think about his progress so far man he's he's really done a great job you know um you know, he, he's comfortable. You know, I think he's back in an offense that he knows really well and, and is very comfortable in it. Um, you know, and, and what's funny is what, what I, I didn't even remember this about him until I, I came back is, is how well he throws the ball on the run. 
you know, which which is kind of crazy because he's not, you know, touted as a dual threat quarterback by any means. But he actually, you watch his highlight tape, you know, they did a lot of, you know, the pro style and, you know, naked bootleg stuff last year. And he throws the ball really well on the run. Um, and then, obviously, in the pocket, you know, I remember... I remember his sophomore, or excuse me, his freshman year, going into his sophomore year, that summer, um, he was uh, battling with Real for the starting job. Quentin Davis had just graduated. It was, it was basically Real's job, but to lose, but, you know, we still made it a competition. That's what we did. And we always did. And uh, we're in the Edison tournament. So we're at the Battle of the Beach, and it's Real Mitchell and Joey Yellen, you know, rotating drives. We get all the way to the finals, and we end up losing the modern day um, in the final. Uh, but Joey Yellen did not have one drive the entire day as a freshman going into a sophomore year where he did not score. He scored on every single drive. And we were actually rotating three quarterbacks. Do you remember Julian Boyd, Greg? Remember that guy? Yep. Yeah. 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 Baseball player. Yeah. So he was those three guys. They were rotating. And and Joey literally went, I don't know, whatever, the 17 for 17, whatever many drives he got. But he scored on every single drive. And we were like, wow. And I always remember that, you know, sticking back in my head. I'm like, if I can make it a seven-on-seven game for him, you know, in real football um, as best I can, we're going to have a lot of success. And, and that's the way we've kind of built this offense. You know, it's going to be more – you know, air raid-ish, if you will, than we've been in the past because of, of his skill set. Um, but I'm really excited. He's doing a great job. He's, you know, super accurate, changes body, um, you know, um, just, you know, leadership, everything, all the stuff that, that makes a great quarterback he's doing right now. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see what we can do. Hey, so Chad, so Chad, break it down. Who, who are the key receivers? Who's the running back? I know last year, I, I love Achille Arnold. I know he moved from safety yeah. to running back last year when Jamari Farrell got hurt and he, and he lit it up. But uh, who are the key guys that we should be watching receiver-wise? Who's going to be running the football? And then uh, also, obviously, Mission Viejo has always been known as, you know, one of the – always had a really good offensive line, which is a big thing for you as well. Skill right. guys and line play, break that down for us. Okay, so obviously, Joey's the quarterback, and then you have a kid named Jamari Farrell, the running back, who got hurt in game two of last year. Um, he is he's – a 5'9", 190-pound, you know, probably the most built kid on our team, strongest kid pound for pound for sure, um, little stud, uh, very, very physical. You know, kind of reminds me of Halani, yep. honestly. Yep. You know, very similar game. You know, jump cut, run you over. I mean, we got to pull him back in spring ball and go, dude, you got to stop dipping on people. We have no pads on. You know, and, <laughs> and, and so uh, he's a stud. And then what I did with Achilles, because when Jamari got hurt last year in game two, they moved Achille to running back. Um, and he was also the starting through safety. And that was just a lot on his body to take, you know, the ISOs on and all the things he was doing at running back, get tackled inside the box and having to go play safety. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do exactly what Julio. I'm going to take him. I'll put up my slot receiver, my A, and then I'm going to have him play free, which is exactly what Julio did. And Julio played 16 games at Bosco that year. He didn't miss a snap you know, all the way through the day of the style, you know, being our slot receiver and being our starting free. So he's my little Julio Wan dude. I'm going to give him the ball, you know, in very similar fashion that got him, you know, Julio the ball, motion back in the back, you know, fly sweeps, bubbles, option rounds, all the things that we did. Uh, he's going to be an absolute stud for us. Um, and then we have the addition of JoJo Forrest, um, who came in from Orange Luther, and he's been nothing but, a pleasure to coach and, and a stud. Um, you know, he's right now, he's, he's definitely our best outside receiver uh, and our best corner. Uh, and our, our coaches, you know, that have been here, uh, I, I retain the defensive staff. I played for him actually in high school, so I know those guys really well. And, and those guys are telling me that he's as good right now defensively as OG was. 
Um, you know, as far as knowing it, picking it up, skill set, you know, potential, all those things, they, they really, really like him. So he'll be our boundary corner as well. Um, uh, offensive, uh, tight end wise, I have a, a, a kid named Reese Height who just played DN last year. Mm-hmm. He's got a bunch of offers from the Ivy Leagues for DN, stuff like that. I'm going to play him at tight end. He looks, you know, really, really good there at it. Um, and then offensive line wise, I, I have one guy back um, named Alexis Ibarra, and then I have another big kid um, who was hurt last year named Hunter Kennelly. Um, he was a big 6'5, 295 pound guard. Um, that's a real physical kid, and, and, and we're, you know, we're young. We'll be young at the offensive line spot it's definitely something that you know we have to develop as we go um and then defensively they have the both defensive ends back uh interior line they have the three technique back um you know linebackers we got sir barnes you know as our starting middle backer achille at safety jojo at corner and and some other guys that are going to come in so that that's kind of the biggest difference i would say you know from from bosco to mission is just the depth you know the the depth is is just not the same. It's it's different. You know where you know you know we didn't have to play Woodby both ways at safety and receiver. We didn't have to play you know Jake Bailey at corner and at slot. You know we had to play Chach at safety and outside receiver. Um, you know we didn't have to play you know uh, Cole Aubrey at tight end and D end or, or or Jude Wolf at say at D end. You know we didn't have to do those things. So you know that's probably the biggest difference. Um, is that, you know, we, we right now, we have to work on building our depth so some of these guys won't have to play both ways every snap and a no-huddle offense year, you know, year long. That, that's going to be difficult. So, Chad, my, my last one for you and then Keith, and I, I think I, I always do this. I'm sorry. I think I kept you like 20 minutes longer than I said we'd have you for, Chad, but it's always good talking to you. My, la- my last one, though, is kind of begs the question, public school versus private private school, you know, obviously, you guys are going to be good. You know, you got a great program, and you're a great coach. But do you envision Michigan Gayho, and, and maybe not year one with you, but by year two, year three, can you guys compete with Bosco and Modern Day for a for a a, a championship, a CF championship, or is it is the public private thing? Is it just the disparity just so great that it's going to be really really hard for any public school to, to really obviously said ten year been able to do it, but. You know, how hard right. is it for a public school to compete with those private schools? Well, I mean, here's the thing. Everything is changing, you know. And, and I, you know, first of all, let me say this. I, I came here to compete. You know, that's just why I was waiting for this job, because I think there's very few public school jobs that can compete. You know, you can say that Edison, you know, has done it in the past. You can say that Los Al has done it in the past. Obviously, Polly, obviously Centennial, and obviously us. And that's probably it at the highest level. I mean, unless you guys think of something I'm not thinking, but, you know, kind of those schools and, and Los Al's definitely not there anymore and Edison is not there anymore. And and we have been in Centennial and, and Poly, you know, that's always the question mark of, of when they're going to get back. Um, the, the biggest thing that I will say is, is that, in my opinion, you can't really compete at the highest level until you have an equal playing field. And what I mean by that is, you know, Bosco and Modern Day and Olu and these guys, they're, they're all-star teams. They're probably the best players in the surrounding, you know, 15, 20, 30-mile radius. Um, and, and you know, admission back in the day, uh, when they had really, really, really good teams, the Mark Sanchez of the world, all that, it was the same thing. You know, it was the best players from, from the era, Centennial. I mean, it's, it's, everyone jokes about the apartment complex across the street. They call it the athletic dorms. 
you know, and and you know they get the best players from from their area, i.e., Long Beach Poly in their heyday. You know, everybody from Long Beach went to Long Beach Poly. You know, the kid, the best kid, this was good. Wilson went to Poly. The best kid from Milliken to Poly. But you know, Lake with the whole nine. So I think that's really the only way that you can compete with the way that the top schools are now in the Trinity League and in South Orange County. I mean, these guys, modern day Bosco, the depth, the size, it's college football. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And, and I think that's probably the biggest difference. Um, and then the last difference I think that is, is definitely a, a one to, to, it's hard to overcome is since the ruling of the ACLU uh, with public schools not not being allowed to fundraise, that's really hurt public schools and, and really hurt you know football programs in particularly. Um, and, and that's just one of those things where we just don't have the same financial you know backing and same financial resources that the private schools do. Um, and, uh, and so, so I think you know those two things. I, do I think? I mean, yeah, absolutely. If, if, if the rules are the same and, and, you know, a kid could go wherever he wanted to go um, in public school, you know, then, then yeah, I mean, you guys know that's the reason why Paulie's had struggle. At least the Long Beach Unified School District shut down all the interdistrict transfers. You know, you can't you can't go from Wilson to Paulie anymore and play football. It's, it's a lot more difficult. You know, um, if you know if they opened it up and made it and made it fair for everybody, where you know, hey, if, you know, you can go to whatever school you want to in your district. It's open enrollment. Then absolutely, we can compete. But yeah, I mean, if you're talking about, you know, just just surviving on the kids that live in your actual attendance area, it's 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 very very difficult. I mean, even if you told Moderna, hey, listen, you can only play with the kids from, uh, you know, Santa Ana. There, you know, take any kids from Santa Ana, but you can only take those kids. Good luck, you know, and, and you know, Bosco, you can, you know, you, you can only take the kids from Bellflower. Good luck. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, you're not gonna, you're not gonna win at the level that, that the current high school football is at, right? You, you have to, to be competitive, you have to have a broader reach, if, if that makes sense. 100%, absolutely. Hey, Chad, this is Keith. Really quickly, when I came to see you guys at your showcase, a couple things stood out to me. Number one, you talked a little bit earlier about Joey Yellen's command and come f- being refamiliarized with your offense. I thought he looked great in kind of operating the offense, pushing tempo, and really putting pressure on the defense uh, with his arm and his legs. But you had a young freshman kid, 2021. Last name Anderson. I thought he was a yeah. dynamic playmaker. I thought you moved him around a little bit. Tell me a little bit about this kid uh, because he looks like he's going to be a special breed. No doubt. Well, I, I don't even know all that he can do yet. He's still going in track because he runs a he runs a ten nine. You know, um, he's a, he's a freshman and he's already run a ten nine on hundred track. Yeah. And our four by one team is still going. So. Um, he's, he's unbelievable. Um, no doubt will be a national recruit, top 100 ESPN guy when it's all said and done. Um, and he can play both sides of the ball. You know, he played a lot of corner on the, the premium team from Orange County uh, this offseason uh, with Kevin Morton. I know you know Kevin, uh, Greg. And then, um, and, and he can, you know, receiver what people you saw is we had him in the slot. You know, working against a, a strong safety, and that was, you know, not fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and yeah, he's going to be unbelievable. And you know, and, and like I said, you know, I, we haven't even scratched the surface of what we can do with him because you know he's still being in track. And you know, I'm a big proponent of multi-sport guys. And you know, when he can be at football, he's at football. But you know, obviously, track gets the nod because they're still in season. So you know, we haven't even had him out there a ton yet. It just happened that day that he was able to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's going to be. 
you know, a focal point of our program and especially our offense, um, you know, moving forward as he, you know, ages from sophomore, junior, senior year. I, I really think that there's probably three or four in that class that could be national recruits. Our freshman class is phenomenal. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Well, it was it was definitely a good group. Like you said, Joe Joe Forrest on the outside making plays, Joy Yellen pushing tempo and, and being a point guard of the offense. Looks like you're gonna have an excellent season. Chad, we appreciate you for coming on. I know you got things to do and places to go. But again, we appreciate you for coming on the show and sharing us about the past experiences of Bosco now at your new home at the Mission Viejo Diablos. Good luck uh in the two thousand eighteen season. Uh, we'll be rooting for you, big fella. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate your time. All right, we appreciate Coach Johnson for coming on. Great guy. You know, a coach's coach. A lot of respect for him. Greg, actually, you wouldn't know this, reminds me a lot of myself when I was a ball coach. Uh, Spent years in as an assistant. Uh, Very, very aggressive coach. Ran the weight room. Ran the offense. And uh, I got a lot of respect for respect for Chad and what he's done and what he's doing. I think he's going to be a phenomenal head coach moving forward. That might be the first time we ever hear the name Keith Miller and Chad Johnson mentioned in the same sentence. Actually, me you. and Ocho Cinco you, played against each team. other. Me and Ocho Cinco played against each other in college, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Chad Johnson, let's get to it. <laughs> so, you know, GB, Chad, again – Excellent coach. It's going to be an exciting year for the Diablo. They're going to push the tempo. Joey Yellen. They got athletes on the outside. It's going to be a good year for him. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you got to give him a, you know, got to give him a couple years to get his system in place. But obviously, he's going into a, a, a program that's been a top five program in Southern California for the last decade, right? Sure. I mean, Bob and Brett and Rob Johnson, they laid a great foundation. There's talent there. Uh, but it's going to be a new system. Chad's going to be, you know, bringing in a, a new straight program, which is his new offense, which is his defensive staff is still in place. He mentioned, you know, new offensive line only has one guy returning. So give it some time. But uh, no, I, I think in a couple of years, Chad will get that thing rolling. Uh, or I should say he'll keep that thing maintaining where it already is. And hopefully maybe even better. Yeah, elevated. Hey, what do you think about, Keith, what do you think about the point he made? You know, we talked about, private versus public and just wanting to level playing field. Kind of, is that kind of how you see it as well? Yeah, I mean, playing field for everybody? Sure. I mean, you know, we've spoken on this in the past and I know I've been a big proponent of uh, leveling the playing field, making it fair for the other schools to be able to compete on a high level. Right now, it's kind of a... Um, it's it's a it's a it's a one it's a one trick deal for the private schools. They've got the money, they've got the resources, they got the ability to bring in players. And right now, public schools cannot compete with that, or at least you know ninety nine point nine percent of them can't. Of course, we know Narbonne, Centennial, Michiviejo can. Uh, but I would love to see a more a more level field that allows kids to stay at their home school and allows them to compete against each other instead of making these all-star super teams, GB. To me, I think that's just what high school football should be about in terms of athletic competition, but, you know, who am I? Yeah, no, I hear you. Super teams can sometimes be kind of fun, but also kind of makes it a little bit boring sometimes. I mean, unless you're a fan of that super team, but I'm sure if you're a Golden State Warriors fan, you love the super team concept, but as a Laker fan, I'm kind of bummed. I'm kind of missing out a little bit, but just wait. Just wait, Keith, until we get LeBron, <laughs> Paul George, and we had a super team, baby. LeBron and Paul George. Okay. Well, I hate cousins. Yeah. Pray for Kawhi Leonard. We'll get everybody. 
Yeah, well, they got enough money. I can no. tell you that, man. Let's Ta- go. Talking to my guy Rob Palenka, they got enough money. So we'll see how Lakers do. But hey, you know, neither here nor there. We enjoyed the Chad Johnson interview. A great friend of the show. And uh, again, we wish you nothing but success in the 2018 season. But right now, GB, we have to remind people to go visit the Winter Circle. All right, listen, everybody. And I'm talking to you parents and you student athletes. This is the off season. This is your time to get better and improve. Come the fall, that's your chance to showcase yourself in front of big time scouts like me and recruiters across the nation. Now, there are a lot of guys out there that claim to be trainers. They grab a whistle, grab a couple cones, but it's just not that successful. What I'm talking about is going big time. Invest yourself into something special. Call my guy, Jordan Campbell, at Winter Circle Athletics. It's a facility in Corona, California with world-class state-of-the-art technology and equipment that creates world-class athletes. They understand human performance, health and wellness, and they customize programs to meet your athletic goals. They train specific for your sport and position. The Winter Circle has 50-plus Division I athletes over the last three years. They've added to a 50,000-plus square foot facility, and they also have a prep academy for 8th graders to 6th graders that concentrates on athletic development, social development, and academic development in their newly renovated facility. The Winter Circle Athletics, you can contact them at wintercircleathletics.com. All right, that kind of brings our show to a close. We appreciate you for joining us on Five Star Friday. Please follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are out there. Follow each show on YouTube. It's out there. Follow my guy at Greg Biggins on Twitter, at Coach Keith underscore MP. Without further ado, there's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.